0: Hi there. Welcome to the Creating Australia podcast. My name is Jessica Reynolds and I'm a private town planner and business owner based in Brisbane, Queensland. I'm passionate about engaging with the amazing people that make the property and development industry what it is today. In Creating Australia, I wanna learn from experts in the industry and share their knowledge and wisdom with you. In each episode, we'll talk with different people and unpack their past experiences and innovative ideas for the future. Join me now for an episode of Creating Australia where we dive into the industry, exploring local stories, projects, businesses, people, ideas, and more. Thank you for joining us today, Liana. Do you mind introducing yourself? Who are you? What do you do? Oh, thank you
1: for having me, Jessica. Um, I'm Liana. I'm the founder of Freedom Property Investors. Um, So that's what I do. We help investors um, actually build a portfolio of property to achieve their passive income goals, their financial freedom.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And what about you personally? What are you into? What do you do on your weekends?
1: Oh, actually, um, one of my biggest hobbies is related to property as well. I love architecture and love interior design as well. So it's kind of a bit of a hobby of mine <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, and also, oh, we, we, and uh, the other thing is dancing. So we're passionate. Me and my partner, we're both, like, really passionate about Latin dancing. So we do a festival of that as well, yeah.
0: Beautiful. I did um, Zouk dancing for a while, quite a few oh. years, um, but COVID nice. and everything kind of put an end to that for a bit for me. I know,
1: I know. <laughs> no we touching. Have a
0: group
1: of, yeah, that's right. We have a small group of friends that we do, like, all been dancing for quite a few mm-hmm. years, so we still have these little house parties of, you know, eight, nine people that, that um it's still happening, so Fortunately, we've still got that going. But otherwise, I know all the social events, they have just dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're obviously, you're down in Sydney, aren't you? Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's hitting you guys probably a bit harder than us up in Brisbane sometimes. Yeah. We, we know what's happening, but it's definitely, um, it feels like Melbourne and Sydney are a different world at the moment. Um, so it's really interesting that, you know, you have this property investment and property development type like um, aspect to what you do. And then on your personal side, you're very creative and, but both very technical, you know, dancing takes a lot of brain coordination. <laughs> so I find that really yeah. interesting. And I've been told you have a pretty interesting backstory as to how you've actually got to this point, because you're, you're quite successful. Um, and I believe you come from an immigrant family. Yeah.
1: Um, so I came here when I was 14 mm-hmm. uh, with my mum. And my dad came here when I was seven. So my okay. mum and dad actually didn't see each other for seven years. So how, how they wow. actually got, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know how they did it, but huge, huge sacrifice. Um, so when when I was, when they first, when my parents first got married, they were actually really poor, very humble mm-hmm. beginnings. They come from, and um, they actually didn't have anywhere to live. So my grandparents decided to take them in. And so they like sort of my grandparents house which is like a rickety wooden house they just built a room on top of it mm-hmm. and that's where we, that's where I grew up um and so like they did the everything together and there was no permit nothing like that we just we just built it <laughs> and then um <laughs> Whereabouts so, was this This is in the southern part of China okay very close to Taiwan, yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um, it was like that for a few years. I still remember as a toddler when I was uh, playing around in my room, I was running around in my room, the whole building would be shaking. So that was like one of my earliest memories. And I thought it was normal because, mm-hmm. you know, like as a kid, you don't really experience, you don't really understand what poverty was about. No. Um, and when I was seven, my parents made the decision, really tough decision for them because uh they wanted to create a different financial future for our little family. Mm-hmm. So they borrow money from friends and family and send my dad out to Australia.
0: Wow. And it was
1: just some tough long years. My dad is they didn't see each other for seven years. My dad used to write letters home all the time, every couple of days as well. So my mom would read the mail to the family, but sometimes I'll catch her reading it to herself and just, you know, shedding a tear. So mm-hmm. it was really tough for them. Um, yeah. That's so a lot I can't of sacrifice.
0: Defend- that's a that's actually an amazing story. Like of I couldn't imagine many people would do that today.
1: Yeah, well I, I can't imagine it, but like I think since um, you know our, our Chinese like a part of our Chinese culture involves a lot of sacrifice, especially for the family unit. And that's mm-hmm. what they did. And when they um, when me and my mom we came out to Australia we were reunited with my dad. Um I was fourteen, and then we just said about you know that's 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 create a, a big bright future for ourselves here. so I always felt like you know I really need to make my parents proud
0: because
1: mm-hmm. uh, I was the only child as well yeah, so it's like all that dreams were-
0: <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> it's almost like this was all for you yeah,
1: yeah it felt it felt that way, and I really like wanted to create um uh, just a fun um a situation where they wouldn't have to worry, They, I can retire mm-hmm. them, and they wouldn't have to worry about money ever in their retirement, they've got their case long to enjoy their retirement. Mm-hmm. So that that was always been one of my biggest motivations to um, to get on this path, I, I suppose. So I was always searching for a way to, to achieve that financial freedom as quickly as possible.
0: Okay, so what's happened between the age of 14 and arriving in Australia? obviously having these aspirations develop over time to where you are today what's like how did that path happen I'm sure you didn't did it just fall into your lap (laughs) and you just happened to be doing this or was it strategic
1: um if it it kind of was and wasn't it was my goal was always there but I didn't know how I was going to get there I never Mm -hmm. like didn't um, didn't know but uh, the first thing I've been you know I've been taught by my parents you've got to work hard and study hard and just um, and save as much as you could. and that's all I knew so that's kind of what I did um, as yeah. a as a kid I was always studying and then I graduated from um, high school here with um, a UAI score close to 100 which mm-hmm. meant that I could choose any degree I wanted I went to see my advisor and I asked her, what can I do? Like, I was really good at math. What can I do with it? And she said, well, why don't you try out actuarial science, um, which has a lot to do with data, with statistics and that sort of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I'll give it a crack. I had no idea what it was about. Um, And I just stuck with it for about six to seven years um, and qualify as an actuary, but I had no idea how hard it was. <laughs> um, and uh, I could see all my classmates that I enrolled, about every 10 people that I, uh, that I that I know, only one person actually stuck to the end, become okay. a qualified actuary. It was a bit of a tough journey. But then that meant wow. that uh, we actually do, this is how I sort of, opened up the opportunity for me to eventually expose me to this whole world of investment and okay. uh, specifically property investment because that's what actually is what through. Actually, actually, we analyse and study lots of different asset classes okay. um, and how perform. And also we work for insurance major banks and insurance companies. So I work for Suncorp, QB, NMA, um all those sort of uh, companies. Mm-hmm. And we built... Um, models we analyze all the past data understand the trends and patterns in the data Mm -hmm. and we use that to build models that will predict the future yeah Um, that was my day and um a lot of you know like if you see reports come out of banks talking about where the property market is going where the Mm -hmm. economy is going a lot of that would have had input from people like us like actually data scientists um, and so that was my background and I just thought to myself, well, I have got all these skills um, and I couldn't really see that uh, even though I was doing really well career-wise, I was getting six-figure income pretty quickly and then I still couldn't see a way to set myself up and set my parents up in a short space of time. So mm-hmm. I knew that I had to, like, we all know you can't save your way to financial freedom and super yeah. isn't going to do it either. So I had to find a other way to do it. So I just mm-hmm. looked at all the classes and I realised that property was the way to do it and you can actually do it quite safely and mm-hmm. fast as well. So that's how I got onto property. And because I knew how to predict, um, build pricing models and predict uh, forecasting models, for example, mm-hmm. so I just applied the same skill set to
0: yeah. property. And do you and think even, sorry sorry to interrupt, I'm just kind of thinking of what while you're saying, you've obviously got the numbers, you have the data, you obviously very much believe in property. Even in this time, you know, during a pandemic slash recession, do you think that it's still a safe and the best um, asset class based on your data and Absolutely. your numbers? Yeah. Actually, um, it's actually
1: um, interesting that you say that. A lot of people ask us the same question. Mm-hmm. So... Um, if you study, um, when you look at the data historically, and this is always true, happens every single time and not just in Australia, but around the world as well, mm-hmm. a property boom always follows an economic shock. Yeah. Whenever there's an economic shock, I bet you in the 12 months after that economic shock, there is a property boom. Yeah. So it happened time and time again. And uh, I actually got myself started um, investing in property in the GFC. Yeah. That was the best buying opportunity ever. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the second best buying opportunity, um, if not the best buying opportunity that we had in the last 12 years since the GFC. Um, during the GFC, people were too scared. There was so much mm-hmm. fear-mongering media. It was far worse than what it is today um, in terms of, you know, the media, how they were saying the property market was going to crash here in Australia mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It didn't. Um, it had a tiny, tiny bit of a correction uh, was only about five percent correction and then grew about twenty percent the following <laughs> year. And I That's bought negotiable discounts. Yeah. It's like it was a great time to be buying because it was a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. You could get a discount on things. So I did that with my first property. And then uh within twelve months, uh, I bought it for about four hundred grand and within twelve months I revalued that to five hundred grand. Yeah. So wow for you know investor that was a huge boost for me Mm -hmm. um but like when i it took a lot of guts to do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of people "Me, you're crazy to be buying property right now um you know well-meaning advice um but if you were looking at the just the history the data um you can see the very obvious signs that like there's a big pickup straight after every economic shock
0: yeah, I'm yeah. interested to know if there's a theory or an actual proven reason why once there is a shock that there is such growth, like what is, why? There are
1: a lot of factors. So like the earliest evidence I found was actually the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. which was probably the biggest, the, the best comparable pandemic that you can um, you can sort of compare this one with. And during the, the Spanish flu, I mean, over I think about 10 20, 30 million people lost their lives, unfortunately. But straight after, the borders reopened and Mm -hmm. we had heaps of immigration coming through. Mm -hmm. And then straight after that, we had a massive property growth as well. Um, So that's one reason, immigration. Mm -hmm. And the other reason is usually government stimulus. So a lot of government stimulus around this kind of time, usually they target infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, construction. So a lot mm-hmm. of that money flows into infrastructure, construction, industry, which creates jobs, um, which then flows on. And there's population from, uh, in terms of immigration numbers, so population growth will pick up uh, quite significantly as well. So a combination of those reasons to help the, these are the strategies that can help the economy recover the fastest. Okay. In, in the just proven.
0: Possible.
1: Yeah. And government tend to just use that
0: Okay, and Um, they're definitely doing it at the moment, aren't they? Definitely a lot more money into um, infrastructure and, I guess, um, putting money into um, housing? Absolutely. So, like, the government just approved,
1: I think, $65 billion of shovel-ready projects the other day. Wow. And that's on top of, um, I think, they already injected something around $400 billion dollars of stimulus into the economy. So if anything that's unprecedented this time around as compared to all the other times, it's the amount of stimulus they are putting into the economy. So during the GFC, I counted, they spent about $10 billion on our economy. Okay. Uh, This time around it's $400 billion. Okay. It's 40 times. (laughs) So um, the impact, if anything, to our construction industry and all all sectors of the business of course some sectors will have much more longer term impact like mm-hmm. it's has they're gonna feel it for a lot longer like the tourism industry or the airline mm-hmm. industry for example but a lot of other sectors um, are going to rebound much quicker yeah um, and construction certainly an industry that's really thriving now
0: yeah wow no that's really like i love that that's really good useful information it definitely um, counters a lot of the fear-mongering um, yeah. about the industry and obviously, um, as I said, in Queensland, ourselves, like we're not feeling um, much of a drop at this point. Um, everyone's quite busy. Um, I'm not sure about the southern states, but I, it sounds like it's it's still all going, all systems going. Yeah.
1: Because we have a massive shortage of supply of new construction. It's been mm-hmm. sort of in decline since 2018, like two okay. or three years now. Because, you know, like, I think uh, it was partly due to APRA putting in all these lending restrictions. Yeah. So it really sort of discouraged developers from building any Mm -hmm. new stuff. It's really difficult to get finance. Yeah. Um, And then suddenly we have this whole home builder grant incentives, all these incentives coming through, and we have a lot more people going out there just buying, trying to buy something so that they can get all the incentives and grants um, they're qualified to get and then we don't have there's not enough property on the market definitely and especially for the new housing that's that's the problem that's every single state has that problem like mm-hmm. we in sydney would basically have like a, a drought of new properties and yeah. in melbourne a similar thing and in brisbane i know it is because because finding anything that is uh ready land that is ready to build on is just about impossible in brisbane right now
0: yeah nah you go look for even just realestate.com look for vacant land exactly. um yeah pretty much you might find three places
1: <laughs> and there's yeah. probably
0: something wrong with those ones no offense if you have a property on there, but it definitely is. Um, they tend to be the problem sites because they just go yeah. like this. Um, I'm just wondering if um, there is a lot more this time around. People aren't as fearful of um, buying and selling property because of what's happened during GFC and a lot more education, I guess, from people like yourself who say, "Hey, traditionally this is what happens. Don't be worried." And so this time we probably won't see as much of a drop because people are still willing to take the risk based on, um, I guess, the data.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, actually. We've, our, our membership has um, uh, exploded during, during COVID-19. Funnily enough, we've, we've, been, we've had over, um, literally probably over a thousand members sign up in the just last two or three months, which has been massive. Um, and I think a lot more people are a lot more aware now. They have the filter on when they listen to the media. They don't always mm-hmm. just take it. Uh, they, they take it with a grain of salt, which is yeah. which is great. And, you yeah. know, like uh, they did a, somebody did a survey. I heard about this on the media in the other day. Somebody did a survey of um just around the world, how people perceive this to be. And uh, we've done really well. Australia as a country have done really well in terms of controlling the outbreak, in mm-hmm. terms of our numbers and, and, and stuff like that, compared to the rest of the world. But um, interestingly, we actually have the highest level of panic, like from the media. Wow. The media it's the highest amount of, you know, uncertainty, panic. Just the wording they use is quite mm-hmm. extreme. Whereas in, if you go to the rest of the world, um, there's actually a lot more um, optimism mm-hmm. from the media, which is quite interesting.
0: That is very interesting. Maybe Australians just love drama. Um, do you think because we have, you know, somewhat contained this pandemic will drive even additional immigration once borders and things Absolutely. open up? more so than maybe prior? You're spot on. Like
1: it happened in after the GFC as well because we didn't actually go through a recession and we're the Mm -hmm. fastest to recover and everybody around the world was taking notice and go, oh, Australia is a great place to live, like economically, but this time around um, they will also feel that it's just a much safer place to be because of our, like, geographic isolation, Mm -hmm. you know? So... I definitely, I think you're definitely right about that. We Like, look, our major cities are already on the top of the most livable cities in the world, mm-hmm. like all our major cities are. So after this, I think, if anything, it's going to be perceived to be much more desirable.
0: So, mm-hmm.
1: oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Are they still running those lists during this? <laughs> I'm wondering <laughs> I'm how they... The <laughs> I wonder if yeah. like, the numbers that make it. I'm like laughing about something that's quite horrible, but um, that's definitely my coping mechanism. So my apologies. Um, I'm really no, interested don't, to know. We need, we need a lot
1: more optimism, you know, yeah. in, in this in this time. So, yeah, people are just, um, we, we all need that. We all need hope and uh, being optimistic about the outcome. And I think, you know, a solution is going to be find, found, Sooner or later, like there's a lot, of, a lot of countries already doing human, like human trials
0: mm-hmm. for the vaccine. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm I'm sure it'll all work out. Um, it'll just be a matter of time. So getting back to you and your career, what is the favorite, your favorite part about what you do?
1: Um, there's lots to pass. I'm actually huge, like I'm. I'm quite passionate about architecture and um, about trends and and things like that. So naturally, I get myself really involved in um, the design process. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy doing that. Um, and like just just looking at things that w- what is trending now. Say for example, sustainability is something mm-hmm. that is probably going to be a bigger uh, bigger um, bigger thing that people are going to be more and more aware of as well. Even if people are looking at it as a investment vehicle I think that's going to be more more trending in the future as well and there's other aspects like one Mm -hmm. of the things that was um we put into place um is because of COVID a lot a lot more people in the future I believe are going to be working from home or wanting Mm -hmm. to work from part of the week and so like having a study in any sort of housing configuration is going to become more and more important Mm -hmm. so that's something that we can we're factoring right now in all the constructions like all all of the designs that we have Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah yeah, things like that i think that's a lot of fun and the other side of things is obviously negotiation so like with the research that my research team does um Mm -hmm. we we, uh, we look at we have a very strict selection criteria based on basically like a pricing model that we built so we know which factors to look for that will drive the property market, a specific property market, and mm-hmm. would drill the whole country down to regions and then sub-regions and then individual suburbs. Mm-hmm. So then I can I often will go to the negotiation table know knowing more about the area and how mm-hmm. much things should be priced at than the developers, for example. So that gives us a lot of power. And I enjoy that negotiation process. It's it's a very patient you gotta be very patient about it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes six months or nine months to get to a outcome, like a price mm-hmm. uh um, you're happy with. But yeah. we have got the luxury of time because if I if I don't get the deal I like, I just walk yep. off and go to another deal, right? So that's that's the uh, I find that very enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'd wanna be negotiating against you. <laughs> I think you'd beat me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just, it's a lot of, it's, it can be a lot of fun and when you when you know that you got the outcome that you wanted, it's just um, that, that feeling, is it feels great.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, I've enjoyed so much of this interview. You've given such great information, Liana. If people want to contact you or your business, what's the best way to do that?
1: Um, just uh, we have our Facebook page, so Freedom Property Investors, you can look that up. And also we have, um, this is my LinkedIn page as well. I've got a personal Facebook page. You can also look up my business partner, Scott Kuru. He's got a Facebook page um, as well. Um, what else can I think about? Oh, our, obviously our Freedom Property Investors website as well. So if you just type that in, you're going to find all this. Um, Perfect. All this
0: yes, yeah. we'll, we'll put it all, all the um, handles in the show notes as well. Right. Well, thank you once again for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to see this product in action, please head over to the Urban Planners Queensland YouTube channel. Links are in the episode notes, or you can find the recordings by visiting upqld.com.au. That is upqld.com.au.